class is on the 12th from 6 to 9 o'clock. Matthew chapter 9. Are you there? Look at verse number 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Isn't that exciting? Every disease, every sickness healed by the power of Jesus. Look at verse number 36. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary, they were scattered. They were like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Father, we thank you for this great weekend, and on this Sunday, we offer you praise, we worship you. I pray now, Lord, that as I deliver what you have put in my heart and into my spirit, Lord, let it come with clarity. Let the ears of those who hear it truly hear it. May we receive it with gladness, Lord, and may what you have intended it to accomplish, let that be done. We pray it in Jesus' name, and everybody again said amen. When I think of Labor Day, I think of a lot of things. Labor Day means different things to different people. Labor Day means summer is over and fall has begun. If I ever get homesick for Indiana, it is in the fall when the wind changes. There's a Christmas in the air. The pumpkins are fully ripe. The leaves are turning this unbelievable canvas of color. That Labor Day triggers that in my mind. Labor Day is the starting point of that in my mind. For others, Labor Day weekend means summer is officially over and, well, school has started. And all the students groaned in disgust. Did summer just fly by for anybody else but me? I'm telling you, I think this summer will go down in my record book as the fastest summer I have ever gone through. So much going on, but praise God, he gave us a blessed summer. Fall is over, or fall has begun, school has begun. Uh, for some it may mean it's your last day to wear white. Is that rule still apply, by the way? I think they, did they do away with that? I hope so. I mean, who cares, especially in Southern California. We're going to wear white whenever we want to wear white. Come on now. Uh, anyway. For some of the men, Labor Day weekend may mean the, the kickoff of the NFL or the college football season. Well, I guess not just the men. How many women are liking football out there? A few women liking football? It's official. Labor Day is kind of the starting point for, for uh, 
the football season. But have you ever really wondered what Labor Day is really all about? Have you really ever thought? For some, Labor Day means a bonus day off. Anybody get tomorrow off? See, that's another reason to shout right there. That's another reason to praise God. I got a bonus day off. Hallelujah. What's Labor Day really all about? Labor Day is the first Monday in September, and it is a creation of the labor movement, and it's dedicated to the social and economic achievements of American workers. It constitutes a yearly national tribute to the contributions workers have made to the strength, prosperity, and well-being of our country. What is Labor Day all about? Labor Day, you ready for this, is about labor. And I'm not talking about Jamie Alleman kind of labor like two days ago. Yeah, September 2nd, by the way, that's the day that Isabella decides she's going to make her grand appearance. Labor Day is about work. Labor Day weekend is a struggle for me because Labor Day weekend is the weekend that my dad awakened me and told me that my mother had died in the night. He didn't really tell me that my mother had died. That was confirmed at the hospital a little bit later, but it was, it was the day uh, that everything changed for me. This past September 2nd marked the 33rd year that I have lived without my mother. And I find that it doesn't matter how old you are, when you lose someone you love, it still hurts. I still long for my mother to be able to meet the most unbelievable woman on God's earth. I long for her to meet Karen. I long for her to, to know her grandchildren. But someday, I do believe someday. You know what? Pastor Moses, as I said a moment ago, Karen was privileged to be in the room throughout the whole process of, of the delivery. And um, I think she at some point just told them that this particular day was a hard day for me marked the anniversary of my mother's death and so Pastor Moses and Jamie were just praying that Isabella would come on the second so that I would have something to celebrate instead of something to mourn. Is that amazing? That blew my mind. So my focus has shifted to my grandbaby, my Hispanic grandbaby. And she's our grandbaby. I don't care. That's just how it's going to be. I am Papa, I, I understand. So listen to this. I put it on Facebook. Say hello to my new grandbaby, Isabella. I'm not thinking anything. I'm thinking about you guys, right, which you already know. You wouldn't believe how many people from Indiana said, isn't your son just 14? They're like, what? So I got to clean that up probably tomorrow. But for now, I'm going to let them think that, you know, whatever they want to think. Labor Day weekend, let me bring it back here, folks. Labor Day weekend is about labor, work. Now, I thank God that my parents instilled in me a strong work ethic. My father owned a 
a small corner grocery store called Don's Market. Don's Lucky Dollar Market, if you must know. And I remember, I, I, even today, I, as I think about it, I can, I can smell the lunch meat in the counter. I can see the sawdust on the floor at night to soak up all of the, all of the grease from the meats that would have fallen on the floor and whatever. I loved going to the, to the store, and every time I would go, they would put an apron on me, and I had to work. I did everything from bagging groceries, carrying those groceries out for some of the older ladies, and I remember, Yvonne, they would give me a dime. Now, listen, when I was a boy, a dime was a lot because I could buy 10 pieces of candy with a dime. And they weren't the small little bitty things. Now, you can't even get any candy for a penny anymore, can you? I could get 10 pieces of nice-sized candy for a dime. You carry five ladies' groceries out in a day, you got 50 cents, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm doing good for the week. I bagged groceries. I'd carry them out for the ladies. I had to stock the shelves. New merchandise came in. I had to, we, had, we had to mark everything with a... With a uh, with the labeler, right? The stamper. Everything had to be marked. We didn't scan anything back then. I remember when the scanner came, my uncle owned a grocery store, and he thought that was he thought that was the Antichrist, and he took many, many years before he would actually say, Okay, it's not the Antichrist. Kroger gonna put me out of business. I better get on the ball here. I do remember that. But we were stamping everything and shelving everything. My favorite job, however. My favorite job at my dad's little corner market was sorting the pop bottles. Clarence, a few years ago, you found this in your garage, and I'd mentioned something about this, and you gave me this bubble up. And you know what? This stands in my office, and it serves as a reminder of my heritage and the work ethic that was instilled in me. This is full, by the way. I'm not going to open it because it means too much to me. And I wouldn't sell it for anything. My favorite job was sorting the pop bottles. I also like gathering the pop bottles because you could cash those in, too. Anybody ever go and collect pop bottles and take them to the store to redeem? They give you money for that. Woo! They're a nickel apiece. That's right, Stacy. You, I could, you, so we went and we, people just throw them out into the ditch. We'd go into the ditch and get them and, and bring them in and, and redeem those. And I had some more candy money right there. It's a wonder I have teeth in my head today. I actually started working full-time in my uncle's grocery store when I was 15 years old. And by the time I was 16 years old, I had enough for a down payment, a good strong down payment on my own car. Oh, yes, 1974 Dodge Coronet. Electric blue with a black top. Don't mess with me. I didn't know at the time that it really wasn't all that. Turns out that if you wait long enough, it becomes all that again. And I wish I had my 1974 Dodge Coronet today. However, since that time, 
I've worked at delivering pizzas, running the drive-through for one of the busiest restaurants in Springfield, Missouri, painting houses, traveling around the country singing and sharing the gospel as an evangelist. I also worked as a music pastor at an inner-city black church in Chicago. That's where I learned to get my praise on. Oh, yes. Hey. But now my favorite job of all time, even better than sorting the pop bottles in my dad's corner grocery store, I am privileged today to be the senior pastor at one of the best churches in all of the United States of America. And that's how I feel about that. I am privileged today to love and lead sheep who just want to be loved and led. But today, folks, I want us to talk about a different kind of labor. Today, I want us to talk about a different kind of work. I want us to look at the work of the ministry. I want us today to look at laboring in the field. When we labor in the field, we are laboring in love. I said, when we labor in the field, we are laboring in love. Matthew chapter 28, look at verse number 19. Jesus said these words, Go, therefore, and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And don't forget this, I'm with you always. Even to the end of this age, Amen? We call this the Great Commission. This is important to Jesus. It's the last instruction he gave. Must be important to him. How many believe that what's important to Jesus ought to be important to us? Come on, how many believe, just shout amen today, you believe that what's important to Jesus, it ought to be important to us? Very last instruction, very last thing that he gives as a directive how are we doing in this area and with this in mind I think it's something that we need to strengthen I think it's something that we could do better how do we accomplish the Great Commission how do we accomplish going and making well, the first thing that I believe we need to do is open our eyes. See the lost. We like living on Fantasy Island, some of us. <laughs> Fun. It's easy. Whatever we want comes true. Whatever we wish, it happens. Remember Fantasy Island? What was the little... The, the little... Tattoo. Tattoo. The plane. <laughs> they fly in all these people to Fantasy Island. Maybe I ought to tell the young people. Some of them don't know. Although we bought an, uh, a, 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 one of the seasons for our kids to watch. Because everything that was all that, it comes back around. It becomes all that again. I'm finding that out. They'd fly in all these people that ha they had all these wishes and dreams and, well, fantasies. 
right? They'd fly them in, and then they'd, they'd fulfill these fantasies. But it seemed like every time, every episode that I remember, there's a little fly in the ointment. There's a twist. There's a catch, wasn't there? To getting everything you want, it doesn't always turn out the way you see it in your head. Folks, we like to be on some fantasy world, and we see things the way we want to see things. But I'm believing that today, God is going to open our eyes, and we are going to see something maybe that we haven't seen in a long time, maybe that we don't even want to see. Because when you see the lost, then you have a responsibility to do something about the lost. So if we don't see it, not on me. I didn't even know, right? That's not my area. <laughs> right? We've got to open our eyes and we've got to see the lost. Jesus saw the lost. Look at verse number 36. When Jesus saw the multitude, the seeing triggered the moving. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary. They were scattered. They were lost. They were lonely. They were like sheep that didn't have any shepherd. Yeah, Jesus saw that. He saw that with 20-20 vision. He saw that so clearly that day because they were all around him. He just had to look. He could see the lost. It says there were multitudes of the lost scattered and weary. He saw their weariness. He saw their loneliness. He saw their lostness. Do you see the lost? What do you see? As you go throughout your day, what do you see? Think about it. You get up, you make your coffee, any coffee drinkers out there? I gotta have my coffee. I let the dogs out. When you do your routine and you finally get into your world, what do you see? Do you see coworkers? Okay, that's fair. You're working with them every day. They're your coworkers, right? What about when you get together with your family on the holiday? Maybe some of y'all are going to get together with family tomorrow. Maybe even today because I'm giving you some family time, right? Maybe you'll gather today even. You'll see family. Do you see family? Yes. We're going to leave out of here and we're going to go back to our homes. And there are people that live next to us, behind us, around us. We call them neighbors. You see your neighbors? See, part of the problem is all we ever see are co-workers, family, neighbors, children, thank you. That's right. We don't really see them as lost. But it's time today to open up our eyes and see as Jesus saw. See the co-worker as a lost co-worker if in fact you know that they're not saved. How many would say today you are working by somebody you know they're not saved? 
Gail, put your hands down. That wasn't even nice. That was not nice. We are praying for Jim. Where's he at? Where's Pastor Jim? <laughs> there you are. You're usually over there. You are all over. That's why we're praying for you. You know you have, many, many, many of you have co-workers. You know they're lost. You've got to see them as lost co-workers. How many would say, Pastor, I have family that they're, they're unsaved. They're not following Jesus. They're lost. Now, that's a little easier, maybe, because our heart breaks. You don't want to go to heaven without your family, right? Of all the people you want to take to heaven with you, you want your family to go. So that might be a little easier for you to see your family as lost. But I still want to encourage you today. Remember, it's not just an aunt and uncle. They're lost. They're lost family members. How many have neighbors that are lost? When's the last time you prayed for your neighbors to find Jesus? Come on, we're talking about working today. We're talking about laboring today. You'll never get the job done if you don't see the lost first. It is the first step. So how do we see the lost? You've got to put on your spirit glasses. I said this several months ago. You can't go to a movie, it seems like nowadays, without them giving you some glasses to wear. Right? You're gonna, everything's 3D right now. Well, I want you today to put on your spiritual glasses. How do you see the lost? You've got to see with spirit eyes. You've got to see as Jesus would see. See the lonely. Oh, they may put on a front and pretend like they're not lonely. They might act like they're the life of the party, but when the party dies down, when the music's turned off, when all the lights are dimmed down, I bet they are lonely. Can you even see that? See the loneliness. See the, the weariness. People are working themselves to death. I mean literally working themselves to death. Do you even see that in your co-worker, in your family member, in your neighbor, in whoever it is? They're weary. See the hurting. We're so good at putting on a front and pretending like everything's okay. I would dare say so are the people in your world. We've got to see with spirit eyes. Where are the spirit-filled people with the gifts of the spirit in operation in them? I want to know. Do we have no sensitivity, no gifting of the spirit to quicken us and tell us and show us some things about our coworkers and family and neighbors and friends? If we are spirit-filled people, we kind of pride ourselves as an Assemblies of God church, we are filled with the Spirit. We're Pentecostal. How about the gifts of the Spirit in operation in us? Discernment, wisdom, all of the gifts of the Spirit in operation. If we will actually walk our life, walk our, our day as Spirit-filled, we will be Spirit-sensitive to those in our world. And maybe, just maybe, we will see the loneliness. 
Maybe, just maybe, the Spirit of God will speak to us and prompt us about their weariness and their hurting. The fact that they're lost. See with spirit eyes today, folks. Put on your spirit glasses today. See the lost. When we see the lost, it will prompt us to start the labor. It, it, it's no good if all you do is see and you don't do anything about it. In fact, God forbid that that happens. It's better off that you go back to Fantasy Island and you live in your la-la land where you don't see anything, so if you don't see anything, you don't have to do anything. Well, that's not going to happen. Let's just be honest. The Spirit of God is going to show us some things from this day forward. He's going to show us and prompt us with the people in our world. I believe this. So once we see it, there's an obligation that we have. There's a mandate from God's Spirit. We've got to do something about it. It is time, everybody. Roll up your sleeves, crack your knuckles, whatever you've got to do, and get busy about kingdom business. Start the labor. The time to work is now. Come on now. Today is the day of salvation. Isn't that what the Bible says? I like what I found in John chapter 4 and verse number 35. Don't say there's still four months and then comes the harvest. He said, open up your eyes and look at the fields. They're already white for harvest. Just waiting for somebody to get out in the field and work. It's time, church. In fact, it's past time. It's overdue. Don't delay. Don't wait. Get started today. Get busy about kingdom business. Get out into the field and do the work. As you do, be reminded of this. You're not working alone. Ah, oh, you ought to take a big deep sigh of relief right there. It's hard sometimes to think that you've got to do it all alone. It overwhelms me when I think that I have to, to lead and shepherd and pastor this church alone, but then the Holy Spirit whispers, whispers to me, and he says, you knucklehead, you can't do it alone. Don't even think that you are alone. Because I can't do it alone. And then he reminds me of Pastor Jim and Pastor, Pastor Moses and Pastor Dave and Pastor Becca and Pastor Jack and, and Gail and Ashley and all of the wonderful team that I'm spitting on, that he has surrounded me with. I'm just excited today. I can't do it alone. I'm not supposed to do it alone. God wants other people working in the field with me. You're not doing this alone. You can't do it alone. Be reminded today that you're working in the vineyard, working in the field with other workers. In fact, God is going to put you so strategically with somebody with other giftings and you're going to lock in with them and they're going to lock in with you and you'll wonder how you ever did anything without them. That's how it is with Karen and us. She has ability and talent and gifting that I don't possess, but when we lock in together, we are a force to be reckoned with. Hallelujah. And that's nothing to brag on us. I'm saying it about you. I'm saying it about the different ones that God will put in your life. Married or not married, this isn't about being married right now. God has also locked us in with Marissa Puglia. Valuable piece of our family puzzle. We can't do life without her. She's one of Karen's very best friends. 
You're not working in the field alone. You're not working in the harvest alone. God in his love and wisdom has put other people with us. Look at John chapter 4 again. Let me read on with verse number 36. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he who sows and he who reaps, there we are, may rejoice together because they're working together. Verse number 37. For in this the saying is true. One sows, another one reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others labored before you, and now you get to enter into their labor. Now that can actually blow your mind if you let it. As a pastor, I'm coming in on a foundation of bricks that others have laid before me. I'm standing on the shoulders of other great men and women who have, who have graced this holy desk many years before me. Others who labored physically to actually put the building up that we're standing in. I know that. And I get to now come in with the sickle, so to speak, and swing the sickle and reap the harvest. But somebody way back when planted some seeds. Somebody after him came in and watered. Somebody along the way said, there's weeds all over this, and they began to pull the weeds. And now I get to come in and just swing the sickle. But I don't care, Stacy. At what stage of the game, what stage of the, of, of the, the call, of, of the commission, if I get to plant, thank you, Jesus, that I got to plant seeds. If I get to water, thank you, Jesus, I watered somebody else's seeds. If I'm weeding, thank you, Jesus, because of the weeding process, the roots can go down deep and the nourishment can come. Of course, we all love to be the one to go and pick the tomatoes, go and, go and harvest the fruits. Who doesn't like that? But may we all be part of the harvest. May we all roll up our sleeves and get busy about kingdom business. Planting the seeds, watering along the way, weeding them and gathering. Then we start again. we got to start again. Planting again, watering again, weeding again, reaping again. And over it goes. It's a cycle. But aren't you thankful that we get to work together? I'll tell you what, Ashley. I couldn't be more thankful that God has placed you in my life and allowed me to work in the kingdom with somebody like you. Somebody who's not afraid of work, who's not afraid to get her her fingernails dirty, so to speak. You may be answering the phone most of your job. You may be typing uh, and working on the computer for most of my pastors. But I want to tell you something today. You're doing kingdom business. Every day you are in the field. You're in the harvest. And I get to work with you. Look at the one next to you. Look at the one in front of you or possibly behind you. Look around this room. Art, I get to work in the field with you, my friend. I love that. I know we don't get to talk a lot, but I love that I get to work in the field with you. We get to, we get to sow water. We get, to, we get to reap. I got to do that with Ken in another country. How awesome is that? 
Now this man, I know he doesn't mind work. He work, He's a construction guy. But what about the spiritual side? See, we're not talking about physical labor today. We're talking about laboring in love today. See the lost. Get busy. Start the work. Start the labor. And guess what happens? Life is saved. Save the life. This is what it's all about. Point number three, save the lives. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Who will go out into the field? Lift up your eyes and look. Don't say, I've got to wait until four months. The time is now. Get busy right now. The lost are lapsing into hell right now. Who will do something about it? Who will do something about it? Is there anyone today that will stand with Isaiah and say, Here am I, Lord, send me? He's not looking for the most qualified. He's not looking for the most experienced. Not necessarily. You see, the Holy Spirit will give us on-the-job training. And we learn as we go. And we make mistakes, and hopefully we learn from the mistakes and we don't make those again. You say, I never worked in a strawberry field. Oh, come on, you're going to like it. It's back-breaking work. I never picked cotton before. Oh, come on, it's going to scratch up your hands and you're going you're to get bloody, but come on. I never detasseled corn before. Folks, it's time to get into the harvest field. It's time to get busy about the Father's business. It's time to roll up our sleeves and do the work of the ministry. My job, by the way, is to equip you for the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? What is it, Miss Rose? Well, there you go. One word says it all. The work of the ministry is souls. Souls that are lapsing into hell. With every snap of my finger, with every tick of the clock. Who will do something about this? We sit in the dining room table, looking out. We're comfortable. We're warm. Or we're cool, whichever one we want, depending on the time of the year. And we'll, we'll adjust the temperature to make sure we stay right there in that little comfort zone, warm or cool. But look out the window. Come on, peer out the window. you got to do this with spirit eyes today. You'll see a harvest field that's white. A white field meant it's time. A white field meant harvest is ready. But unless someone goes into the harvest field, the harvest rots. Couldn't get it in in time. It rotted in the field. What a shame if that happens for us. What a tragedy. I want to remind you that it is God who gives the increase. 
there was some bickering with the church in Corinth. Paul had to set some things straight. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, listen to these words. They were bickering over who they should follow. This preacher or that preacher. This evangelist or that missionary. Paul said, well, I planted and Apollos watered. But it was God that gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters is anything. But God who gives the increase is everything. Come on, somebody. I said God is the one who gives the increase and God is everything. And all glory goes to God. We're just to work in the field for God. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's not about the Apostle Paul or Apollos who was also working in the field. It is about lost souls, and it's about God getting all the glory and giving the increase for them. Somebody say amen. And I want to leave you with this. Robin, I want you to come. Thank you for helping us today. And Moses, Pastor Moses' absence, sure do appreciate you too. And I appreciate being able to work in the vineyard and work in the field with you. If you don't get anything else today, you need to write this scripture down. You need to jot this down because it is a law that God put in motion. That no matter who you are, actually, the unbeliever can tap into this law and reap the benefit of it. It is the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7, 8, and 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows whatever a man sows, that he is going to reap. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption and consequence. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life and benefits above that while we're here on earth. I put a little bit in that I felt was appropriate right there. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, come on, somebody say due season. Oh, hallelujah. Say it one more time. Due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I want to tell somebody today, don't give up. Your son and your daughter is on their way to salvation. Don't lose heart. Your co-worker is just about to be saved. Don't get weary. That neighbor that you've been working on for years is just about to find Jesus. It's due season. It's time. The harvest is ready. God doesn't want anybody to perish. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, 2 Peter 3, 9. As some may count slackness, God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all, come on, somebody say all, hmm. but that all should come to repentance. God's plan for rescuing the perishing is his children to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, knowing that he's with us always. Bow your heads all across this room. Hallelujah. I believe that today, 
if we will see the lost, it will prompt us to start the labor. And if we will do our part working in the field, lives will be saved. This, to me, should be what Labor Day is all about. Laboring in love. Laboring in the field. Working in the vineyard. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence in this room. And I'm asking you right now to bring to the minds of every man and woman and every student in this room, bring to their minds the lost that are in their world. We believe that in order to change the world, we must start by changing our world. And Father God, on this Labor Day weekend, we join our voices with the prophet Isaiah and we say, here am I, send me. I may not know what I'm doing. I may not be the most qualified and I may not have the most experience, but I'm willing, send me. are still bowed, I've asked the Holy Spirit to bring to your mind people who are lost that you come in contact with on a very regular basis. I want us to take the next several minutes and I want you to pray for them. Everyone standing. I'm going to ask you to move to a place of prayer, actually. I want you to come to these altars. Ushers, if you could move out the communion elements, please. Communion trays. I want you to move now, finding a place that you could intercede for the lost that are in your world. something that we should be praying every day for the people in our lives that are lost. We should be praying that God would send believers their way, but we also, with the next breath, should also be praying, let me be one of the laborers, because you may be the answer to somebody else's prayer that's praying, God, send a worker. God, send a laborer. Some grandmother's praying in Alabama for her granddaughter who works in Southern California and she happens to work right next to you. This grandmother's praying, Lord, send somebody her way and there you meet with her 
day after day. You work beside her day after day. God's wanting to use you. Pray that the hearts would be softened. Young people, are there any lost in your school? God wants to use you to reach them. Lost family. Lost neighbors. Let us see the lost, God. Give us spirit eyes today. Let us see as you saw the lost. Let the vision of that move us, just as it moved you. You saw the multitude, and you were moved with compassion. Let us see the lost. Let it move us with compassion for the lost. They're not just people we work with. They're, they're lost co-workers. They're not just our family. They're lost family. We don't just live next to these people. They're lost neighbors, friends. Father, I pray for an anointing. Come on and lift your hands right now. I'm, I believe that God is going to anoint you with this new vision that he's given you and the purpose that he has for you. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint every person in this room. Let your ability be applied to them, God. Your strength, your power. Anoint the words that they would speak Anoint the steps that they would take. Anoint their hands and arms, Lord, to reach out in love to the lost. Anoint me. 
pretty strong prayer today. And I believe God is going to do what we've asked him to do. So I want you to take courage and you might need to take a deep breath because I believe God is going to make it so clear this is the opportunity. I want to use you. I'm, I'm going to speak through you. And let him speak through you. We did a backpack outreach a couple Saturdays ago. Now it's been so successful, so awesome. Just reaching out to people who are in need, giving to people that need something. Feels good. But this lady, so blown away because we, we gave out backpacks filled with supplies for school, which would have been enough, period, boom. We did that, they came by, you got it, and you left. That'd be enough, right? Oh no, we're gonna get them in the bouncers, that's free. Let your kids jump in the bouncers for however long they want, that's free. Uh, get you a hot dog and a soda, that's free. Wash their cars for free. Painted their faces for free. I mean, they, this lady, she said, why are you doing very thankful, but just could not wrap her understanding on why a group of people would give up their Saturday morning and afternoon to give stuff away. Why are you doing this? And I said, because it feels good to give. Feels good to give. And you know what? We just loved on people that day. To my knowledge, nobody on our team led anyone in a sinner's prayer. I don't think that happened. I, I don't think so. But see, we weren't, at the, we weren't at the sickle stage, harvest, right? We're at the planting stage, or maybe even the watering stage, or weeding stage. It just wasn't, it really wasn't that stage. We're planting all kinds of seeds that day watering some seeds that had already been planted, I believe, and, and, and by other people. We prayed for people. Can I just pray with you real quick for a great school year? Well, yeah. Stuff like that. So when, when we talk about working in the field, remember, there are different stages of work. And it's not all about getting them to the finish line, necessarily. You'll know when it's right, and if you're the one to lead them in the sinner's prayer. If not, we just give love to people. We invite them to the house of God and to different activities we may be having. Okay? We just live this out every day. That is laboring in the field, and that, in my opinion, is laboring in love. Amen? You ready for a good Labor Day tomorrow? Come on, everybody, get up on your feet. Remember, we have no service tonight. Stacy, I want you to come and close us in prayer if you don't mind. Ask God's blessing on all those in the room. Dear Lord, we come to you now and we just thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for this message that you brought to us. Help us to receive it in our hearts. Lord, we ask you to bless the rest of this day, bless our labor day. In your name, amen.